Hey, all you Trek Live crew members, this is Trek Live Dan. Just wanted to say thank you for dropping by the podcast feed. Just a friendly reminder that this podcast is recorded live first on our YouTube channel, so definitely um, stop on by to join the discussion. Without further ado, enjoy the show. We're live for episode 162 of Trek Live. How you doing this morning, Dan? Doing great. Sorry for the little bit of a delay. Had some technical issues that we worked through this morning. Excited to talk about some Star Trek this morning. And it's Voyager, so I'm extra excited. So, Yeah, me too. Uh, it's an episode that is kind of fresh for both of us. Um, we've, we've watched it. We watched it at our last Trek After Dark event. Yes, so, we did. Uh, so that's just a couple weeks ago, and I think we both really enjoyed it then. We both have liked it predating that viewing of it uh and i think it's uniquely timely for the kind of situation we all kind of find ourselves in now from half of the last that's year so true. that's very true yeah very true. yeah and i think it fits as an undervalued uh episode i think if it, like it's a fits right in with what we're trying to do with this kind of recurring topic of looking at episodes that aren't like on top 10 lists or like regularly cited as the best of that series I think like on average but where there's like some real meat to chew on uh, so I'm really looking forward yeah. to diving into that episode um, what about your rewatch where do you stand on Deep Space Nine so I believe my last episode that I mentioned was Bar Association mm-hmm. this week I watched three episodes uh, a decent run I think uh, a session Rules of Engagement and Hard Time Rules of Engagement, probably my favorite of those three. Um, Hard Time is um, a tough watch as well. It's it's definitely sticks with you. Um, I think there's a similar episode in TNG, but Hard Time goes um, way on the darker, maybe tougher kind of topic to tackle uh, on a Star Trek episode, so that's... um, kind of way where i see the comparison between the two shows um rules of engagement i i really like the um the uh i believe there's a movie with tom cruise right with rules of engagement it's so similar to that um i feel like it's an homage to um uh you can't handle the truth i might be messing i don't know it's a great courtroom drama yeah a few good men sorry not rules of engagement but a few good men um uh, I love the courtroom drama. Anytime we get to see a little bit of the, the Klingon culture, but a different side. Um, it's it's the, the guest star uh, isn't just a Klingon warrior. He's a, a Klingon um, advocate. I think they that's, that's what they kind of use um, uh, yeah. in the episode. I think it's just uh, a great good actor. All, good actor, great guest star. I'm blanking on his name, but... Um, I, um, I like the dressing down scene at the end. Uh, it's one of the all-time greats, I think. Um, and a session is great, too. I, I don't want to knock that either. Um, I think it, it builds on the premise of the show. I mean, I, it's, you know, we're in season... Or deep into the season, and they're still kind of <clears throat> touching on that, um, which I love. Um, yeah, just a great run of episodes. Yeah, session is... Uh pretty critical for Cisco and his whole growth as the emissary and his comfort level with that whole dynamic um, his place on Deep Space Nine with the yeah. Torrent 
uh, walking that tightrope between you know Starfleet captain and sort of religious figure at mm-hmm. the same time. Um, really, really good stuff. Important for the Cisco character. Rob is in the room, uh, and I know he's a huge fan of Hard Time, uh, episode that has touched him personally. He's talked about that a lot on on Twitter, and uh, we certainly had conversations. I think um, over the years, and I see I see why that. I think that's a powerhouse. I think you're right. I think if if you take like the Jim Morehouse Trek ranks sort of methodology to ranking episodes and you go strictly on like rewatchability sort of uh, you know factoring like pleasant like uh, experience into it it, it, it certainly you know might get knocked down a few pegs because it is rough going I mean it's really tough and really brutal I remember it knocking me on my butt as a kid watching it um, and just being like kind of you know wowed by the, the heft of it um, but it's 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 really um powerful stuff and i think some of calmini's best work as uh, chief o'brien um and tackling there are a couple of interesting parallels i think you were probably are you referencing like the inner light as yeah. kind of living this second life um and i think it's even kind of similar there are similarities to a a Voyager episode, ex post facto, with like this alternate form of punishment, uh, where at ex post facto they make Tom Paris instead of like sentencing him to death or putting him in prison, they make him relive his crime through the eyes of his victim every mm-hmm. couple hours or something, whatever the premise of that was. I'm coming up on it in my rewatch, so it'll be fresher in my mind soon. Yeah. And then, um, you know, this is sort of taking the approach of instead of actually incarcerating somebody, just implanting memories of incarceration and sort of like traumatic events in that time and making you live with the weight of, mm-hmm. of, of incarceration without actually having to do it. Um, so a lot of parallels. I think Hard Time is far superior to Ex Post Facto at looking at that sort of like alternate <laughs> yeah. hefty punishment kind of kind of route uh and i think it's a more impactful character story for chief o'brien and tom paris for sure in, in that episode um but I, I see what you mean it's not it's not the most like yeah i'm gonna put my feet up on a friday night and watch hard time like have a nice relaxing <laughs> yeah. night beer like it's not not quite for that but it's it's a really great episode um yeah, Rob's in the room talking about it it's uh, very difficult but moving emotive absolutely um so uh, Rob's a little ahead of you talking about his rewatch uh, being season 5 of Deep Space Nine just finished Soldiers of the Empire so he's about a season ahead of you okay. like right around that same point you are in terms of like episode numbers and uh, Cyber Honey watched Night in preparation of this oh, and perfect. kept going in season 5 of Voyager so perfect. Um, up to infinite regress so we got some progress I have not really done much. I think the last thing I watched was Life Support. Um, I know. Well, I actually have. I have. <laughs> just off the grid. I've been rewatching Discovery, like from beginning to end, very there we quietly. Go. There I, was, we go. I had some. <laughs> I had some work from home days uh, this week that were, were were kind of light, so I had it kind of playing while I was doing my thing, and uh, I picked up some momentum and just kept rolling with it. I'm about halfway through season three right now. It's like sitting paused on my TV right now. It's scavengers. Um, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm like I've been as Dan knows and anybody who's been threatening uh, talked to me in recent weeks, I've been threatening to do this like it's been I've wanted to like binge the whole show see how season three kind of feels on the tail end of what we've already seen and you know particularly with like the Burnham arc uh, kind of wanting to have an, a, a kind of fingerprint on that sort of from beginning to end with where it ends at the end of season three and I'm really enjoying it um, I should be done that hopefully in the next couple of days 
Um, and I'll be back on uh, alternating Voyager and Deep Space Nine in no time. Nice. So, yeah. Um, so I, I think we should just dive right in. Um, and Rob mentions actually, yeah, uh, talking about season five of Voyager, which we're kind of talk about kind of here now with Knight. Uh, Rob was our guest for a season five Voyager um, fantasy episode draft. Yes. So if, if you're tuning in here and you want to hear more discussion on uh, this season of Star Trek. Might be my um, favorite season, but yeah. Go it's, on. A, it's a yeah. great season of Voyager <laughs> for sure. Check out our fantasy draft in our backlog. Uh, yes. I want to say we did that back in... I don't even know. Back last fall, sometime yeah. I think maybe mm-hmm. even summer. I don't. I don't know. It was a while ago, but it's it's back there. And Rob was on with us. It was a really fun, fun time uh, talking about all Great those time. episodes, including night. Yeah. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. He has a link in the chat. Cool. Thank you, Rob. Um, so let's dive into night. Um, we watched it, like I said, just a couple weeks ago. So it's fresh in both of our minds. Um, felt right to watch it that night when we were hanging out at Trek After Dark, and it feels right to talk about it. I think. Here at the end of March of 2021, after suffering through a year of uh, pandemic, quarantine, and cabin fever, and you know isolation, all these kinds of topics uh, that uh, yeah. night kind of tackles. Um, what is your? Why do you think it's undervalued? Like, why are we talking? A couple about reasons this? why I think it's undervalued. Rob mentioned it kind of before we even started this whole conversation. Season season five is loaded, so I think it gets a little bit overshadowed in yeah. the company that it's in. And another part of it is I think it kind of falls into the... It gets written off as another Alien of the Week episode, and I think there is some underlying things that, are, that make this episode great to kind of think about. And when you put it on top of, you know, the cabin fever aspect of um, what we're going through now in the, this past year, I think it just it just keeps getting better and better. Um, I think even before all this stuff that has happened, I think it's been something that I've wanted to explore in Star Trek because when you think about sci-fi and space travel, space travel in general, you're bound to kind of kind of fall into this. Um, kind of cabin fever aspect of kind of serving in space. Um, that's why they have holodecks. That's why they have crew. That's why they have um, uh, counselors and things like that. So this is an aspect of not just um, Star Trek, but space travel in my mind, in my head canon. So I, it's sorry, I went off kind of rails a little bit there, but uh, to answer your question, just the company and. Um, Alien New Week kind of get it's get written off as one of those kind of episodes, but I think there's more to it. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right about that. The the, the look at like running into these dry spells where there's nothing really going on, you know, because of the nature of it being a TV show and episodes popping in and out. There's a lot of like kind of uh, assumed downtime between episodes that doesn't really ever get yeah. addressed and because of the premise of night it forces us to like confront an extended period of kind of nothingness just kind of going through the routine tapping your console getting through the day mm-hmm. and nothing sort of interesting happening um they, they touch it a little bit in enterprise right at the beginning and fight or flight when they first are out there and they're like 
in no man's land in space. They're not finding anything. It's not as exciting as they were hoping it would be. They haven't yeah. found an M-class planet <laughs> yeah. yet. They found a slug on this, like, you know, fairly inhabitable planet, and that's, like, the highlight of their, their first couple weeks in space. Um, yeah. You know, like, there's little bits of it, but it's not ever fully emphasized. And I think a lot of the other thing that happens sometimes with night is I think people sometimes will compare it to the void, which tackles some similar things with, you know, a, a region of space of nothingness. They call it the void in this, they call it the void in that, but they're vastly different episodes. The void Fair is tackling, so. yeah. you know, the, you know, the, 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 the principles of the Federation and Starfleet and mini Federation you know, togetherness yeah. versus yeah. Non-Federation ideals, uh, like the, the, another very baked in like Voyager specific premise like the 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 principles of this whole thing and the the value of that and as opposed to maybe some benefits of kind of steering away from that that's what the void is about Mm -hmm. um but because of the nature of the 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 similarities of the stories with the blank region of space and you know aliens that are inhabit you know native to that area you have the the, the night aliens that I don't think get named, uh, and then in night you have, or in the void you have Phantome and all that stuff. Like there are there are enough similarities where I think it invites comparison, and a lot of people I think, on average, might prefer the void. I know I probably um, as a whole, but it, it, they, they 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 are not the same. Like they tackle the DNA. The episodes are vastly different. Surface level, they and may seem the same, but they right. are not different issues tackled in the episode. Nights, yeah. Nights more introspective, I mm-hmm. think. Uh, I think folks is more on what these kinds of things, like you're talking about, do to people. Uh, this, this extended period of boredom and isolation and lack of, you know, interaction with, you know, the, the, the sort of unexpectedness of life uh, that I think we all kind of maybe need a little bit. Um, so... I, I agree with you. I think those are things that make it undervalued, but I'm surprised the things that surprise me about it, not kind of rising higher in people's estimation are that the Captain Proton stuff is like always very popular. People love that. This is the introduction to that. So it yeah. kind of brings up a brand new thing that's going to become a fairly popular recurring theme for the rest yeah. of the show. Um, there's that there is, you talk about like things being, important to the premise of the show you know maybe another divisive element i know cyber honey on twitter was sharing some thoughts on the janeway aspect of this story Uh, so your mileage may vary on like where she is mentally and maybe if you buy her introspection about her decision making and where she is but you know it feels important for sure like that's a that's a big deal and it's certainly to the very core of the episode of of the series so seeing janeway kind of confront that choice uh, feels important, so I'm surprised that the episode doesn't merit more discussion just on that, you know, part alone. Like at the halfway point of the show, Jane was put in this position to have to like really confront: was that the right thing to do? Um, and kind of having to live in it. And I, see, I and I personally kind of think I know Cyberhunter. You were sharing on Twitter that you you, you don't find that totally credible and it's kind of a false flat for you. For me, it doesn't. I, I think it works pretty well because of where they are. It would feel more contrived for me if they weren't in a period of isolation and boredom and having nothing to do. I think as we're all kind of fighting, at least I'm fighting in the the pandemic world and having this isolation and nothing but kind of time to reflect, it does force me and I think many people to sort of like sit in their choices. It's relatable. Think about things they've done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it it makes you reflect on things and why you did things and why you didn't do other things. Um, You know, so I've always kind of bought it and certainly after this last year I find it even more 
resonating, I guess. I, I just think they've been busy these past five years. And I think it's, yes. in our, it's in our nature also to have these retrospective moments in milestones. And it, when people talk about turning 40 or, you know, turning 18, whatever, wherever you're at, you definitely look back and you, and you have some time like this. Um, and I think that's, they've been busy. I mean, they've been kept, you know, with the Borg and the, all these things these past five yeah. years. I think it's, it really slowed down for them in this episode and it allowed them to finally, um, kind of have that time, which I, I think the crew needed. I, 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 I don't mind, I, I don't mind their kind of retrospective or at least Janeway's kind of Janeway's. I think Janeway's reckoning with it the most <clears throat> because she is the one who made that decision. And, and I feel like, like it's, it's, you know, Sabrina says, um, the premise of the show could have been stronger. The strand is 75,000 years away from home. Let's explore, uh, go exploring anyway. Uh, so like, I, I think you're right about, um, for the last five years, they've been busy and it's kind of moving from crisis to crisis. They exactly. have Kazan, they have the ends, exactly. they're under constant threat. They're just trying to, she's trying to integrate the Maquis and she's got like interpersonal struggles on the ship that she's dealing with, integrating Chakotay and integrating Balana and keeping everything cohesive and there's the Borg and you know, the Herogen are coming and like it's just constant like knock after knock after knock and that allows for the focus to just be on getting through the day and keeping going, keeping going, uh, one crisis to the next, one you know new planet to the next. But when you remove the things that keep your brain like you know moving and Busy. you know yeah. engaged and yeah, you feel fulfilled by the new discoveries and yes. by the challenges that are brought forth by the situation you're in. You remove all that and you're left with kind of just nothingness and just kind of sitting around and you know reflecting on where you are and who you've lost and the time you've lost and uh, i think choices come back and bite you in the butt a little bit i mean i'm like i said i'm finding that myself i'm finding myself reflecting on things that maybe i wasn't in 2018 and 2019 and not necessarily like having regrets but like just kind of you know wrestling with things um and you know i didn't strand myself and 175 other people, mm-hmm. you know, 75,000 light years away. So I can imagine, uh, I, I, I have not had an issue with Janeway's self-reflection, but I am aware that that is a, you know, pivot point for people on this episode. And if you go back and you look at contemporaneous reviews of when the episode was premiering and episode, reviews since the episode has been on, that's usually like the, the dividing line for where people are. If people are on board, thumbs up. They're usually of the mindset that you and I are here with Janeway stuff, and if yeah. they're not, the episode kind of can go into the thumbs down category, which maybe is why it's not, you know, typically cited as a classic and why it's undervalued and why we yeah. talk about it on top. Of it. Which again, I guess the and the kind of to uh, pull back a little bit, uh, just real quick, undervalued Trek may be different to some other people. Um, yes, like oh, of course. Night, it, to, to us, is, is our undervalued um, episode uh, this week, but t- maybe you don't agree. Maybe there's other episodes that um, feel undervalued to you, but um, I guess right, in my money, for my money, it, it's night. But um, Rob uh, posts a great question. Um 
He asked, I wonder uh, what Voyager would have been like with an actual counselor on board. In my headcanon, because they had to go um, to the Badlands, the crew wasn't fully finished. They, they, you know, they um, didn't have their whole personnel. Um, Maybe they missed that. Because um, it, it, it wasn't a long term mission. Yeah, but I mean, if if now the uh, <laughs> the ship is is deemed a long term science, you know, kind of vessel, you would think that uh, they would have a council on board. Definitely, I think. Um, clearly, this is a crew that needed a council because they were <laughs> in the situation they were. In. Like, clearly, this is a crew that would have benefited from a professional mental health specialist uh but on the other hand i do think because i think such a strong theme of voyager is this ragtag group of people coming together and truly becoming like a cohesive family uh i i almost think having not having a counselor and having to battle through these things with neelix and with the doctor and with and with tom paris all kind of like being each other's counselors uh and having to like wrap through problems together and janeway having to serve that role for certain people and in certain situations i think it i think it does help drive home the that theme Uh, you know i think it would have been a different show and it would have been a different I don't. I don't know if that that concept, if that theme comes through as strongly. If every time they have these issues, they go into a Deanna Troy's office mm-hmm. and you know reckon with those problems in, in, in the setting of a private, uh, you know, more traditionally counselory uh, process, uh, which would have probably been better for these people. But uh, I, I don't. Yeah. Which your point is proved in night. Right, the crew is mm-hmm. worried about the captain. Chakotay yep. goes to and says, "Hey, kind of worried about you know all these things." And they kind of have this great kind of exchange. Uh, so, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I think um, that's a, it's an interesting point to ponder. And Cyberhunting mentions Kess probably would have been good in that role because she does serve as sort of a counselor for a variety of crewmen in those early season yes, she seasons. Yes, seasons. But I think a lot of characters do. I think a lot of depending on who you're talking about, like which character when they have a problem, do they go to and do they work through it with? They all kind of have different people. Like for some people, it was Cass at the beginning. For some people, it's the Doctor. Uh, for some people, it's you know Chakotay. For some people, it's Janeway, and sometimes it evolves over the course of the show. Yeah. Um, so I think they all kind of do it in in their own way um, because of the circumstances that they're in. They can't just call home. They can't talk to a family member. They can't go yeah. see. Deanna Troy or Ezra Dax or whoever's on the on in that role yeah um, they have to lean on each other um yeah um yeah yeah the guilt and the pressure for Jamie must be immense absolutely yeah I, and I think that's clear I think one of the things we've talked about a lot when we talk about Voyager is sort of the the yin and yang of the way Janeway and Chakotay being the top two people on this ship are reckoning with this situation. I think mm-hmm. the way I read the show and I watch it often is that Janeway is carrying this guilt and pressure and this like singular drive to keep the crew healthy, keep the crew moving and get them home mm-hmm. at all costs. And it's kind of driven by that guilt and pressure. Uh, and all of her decisions are, are, are just powered by that choice that she made in Caretaker. Where Chakotay, I think, 
is a little bit more complicated. I think he is more at home in the Delta Quadrant. I think he wants to get home, but I think he's, he realizes that this is good for his crew. His, his Maki crewmen are in the best situation they've probably ever been in. These are all kind of fugitives and ragtag guys, women who, you know, fell into a life of, you know, rebels and all this stuff. And they're, they're, they're in a pretty good spot. Uh, yeah, they'd, considered. they'd be in the brig if they were in Federation space. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think he's in necessarily as much of a at all costs rush. And I think that is driven home in episodes like resolutions and episodes like Scorpion when they're presented with these like forks in the road where they can either keep going at all costs or kind of make a different choice to almost not necessarily like settle, but take more time and you know, be more patient with the whole thing. Chakotay always kind of sides with the, Oh yeah. Let's, let's be safe. And you know, if we have to settle down, we settle down like no big deal. Yeah. And Janeway is like never going to settle for that. Never going to, never going to capitulate to those kinds of choices. Um, so I, I agree with you, Rob. I think Janeway is constantly driven by that guilt and pressure. And that's like a bedrock, um, foundational, you know, piece of her character. Yeah. And this episode brings that to the the forefront. I mean, it forces her to confront that, and forces us to con- confront her confronting with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Which I, I like because oftentimes uh, these big traumatic things happen, and we don't ever see any repercussions of that. But now in yeah. night, we get to see the kind of a little bit of that peek behind the curtain, uh, what it's like to yes. to make a decision as a captain and live with them. Not just a couple episodes down the road, but seasons down the road. Hey, this is—I'm still dealing with this. This was still a, right. a tough deci- decision to make. So, um, all good I'm stuff. Aware of the consequences. Yeah. Yeah. What a way to kick off the season, though, right? I mean, just. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I agree, and I think when you look at it from the perspective of this is kind of inside baseball, you know, Star Trek production stuff. But season five is the season where Brent Bragg took over as the showrunner for Voyager for seasons five and six he's running the writer's room and yeah. is driving the direction of the show um, and so this is the first episode with kind of a this happens a couple of times throughout Voyager where the showrunner shifts um, but this is one of those moments where the show kind of doesn't reset but it's it's maybe you can sense a little bit of like okay like there's maybe a little bit of a breath of like we call it fresh air or like yeah. fresh direction or mm-hmm. like you know maybe a soft like okay like let's Kind of go back to the, the the building blocks, and I think this is their way of maybe doing that to kind of like go back to the beginning with dealing with stuff that happened to caretaker and um, dealing with the premise of the show. They're out there by themselves. They're isolated. They don't have you know another ship to hail. They don't have Starfleet to lean on. Uh, this is a this is a unique set of circumstances, and this episode really I think takes advantage of the Voyager premise mm-hmm. being out there alone. Yeah having to get to a place and not just exploring space. If this is, this doesn't happen in the Alpha Quadrant because you don't have to just go through a region of space because you have to. Like, the Enterprise comes across this dark, re- you know, void in space, and they're not necessarily just going to fly through it for however many years it's going to take just because. Yeah. You know, like, that's... Voyager's got to do it because of their, their set of circumstances. So it's, you know, uniquely Voyager, this, this concept, and the way the episode plays out. Um... Rob asks, could the fact that Knight comes after a season finale that wasn't a huge cliffhanger, hope and fear, be part of the reason why it's often overlooked or undervalued? I think probably yes, that it's a season premiere that's not like part two of Scorpion or Equinox or Basics. Um, It's kind of a 
I think it's easy to kind of because of the fact that it is not it's a season premiere and it's not a part two of Cliffhanger it's easy to go out it's like just a, it's another episode mm-hmm. I, I think it's not just another episode I think I actually think it takes advantage of the Voyager premise as much as like I was just saying maybe any of the episodes do uh, it's, a, it's only Voyager could be doing this and only Voyager yeah. could tell this story so I think you're right Rob uh, but I think it's an easy I think it's easy for people to point to it and say hey it's just a standalone episode yeah when it is it's not so much not really yeah, yeah. And that's why we're doing this undervalued track is because we want to shed some light on uh, on episodes that are not talked about often. Um, well, so yeah. Cyber Honey says she likes Knight, but isn't a fan of Janeway's character development. And so my question to Cyber Honey uh, would be like, what what elements of the episode are your the things that you do like? Like, what what if, if you're a thumbs up on Knight, what drives that thumbs up if it's not the Janeway stuff? I'm curious, and I'll ask you the same thing, Dan. If you're taking the Janeway stuff out of it, one of the one of the other kind of big things with this episode is I do think it gives a lot of the characters interesting things to do. You mentioned like Chakotay having good scenes with Janeway, Tom Paris and Harry Kim at the Captain Proton stuff with the doctor kind of fighting every time in the holodeck as well. Like there, there, I think each character kind of has beats and moments throughout this episode. Are there, are there things that stand out to you other than Janeway elements? Yeah, I think, um, uh, what, what happens in the episode uh, is kind of right with the right right with the doctor or ordered I guess um, it's 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 allowing the crew to do something good for some uh, kind of smaller obscure kind of alien uh, and I think that's kind of what core of, of Starfleet and the Federation is all about is helping the little guy and so I think they're stuck in this like really dark darkness state of mind and literally in the darkness um i think it's it's it kind of jump starts the crew to be able to do something um good and feel good um so yeah that's kind of what i take away from it besides the the great i think uh character development stuff with with chainway and and the rest of the crew too they've got to deal with um that um because I think in anything, I think it starts at the top. And if um, Captain isn't running right or in a good headspace, I think the rest of the crew is going to be a little bit shaky. going to feel it. Yeah. Uh, and I think what better way to get them back on track um, than how about the little guy? Because uh, I think that's kind of one of Starfleet and, like I said, Federation's uh, goals. Help out the little guy together. So, And that's what they kind of do. I think you just put your finger on something really interesting and really good that works well about this episode that I probably wouldn't have articulated myself. I think what you're seeing happen with these other characters, a lot of these other character beats that I was kind of just talking about, the way that they're interacting with each other does, I think the episode does a good job of presenting Janeway's reclusiveness and her unease and her shakiness affecting the rest of the crew. I think that yes. the way the leader's yep. mentality and their weakness and their vulnerability can trickle down all the way down to the bottom and affect everyone. I think that is something that a lot of people have felt in their regular life. If you have, if you at work, you, oh, yeah. those things happen. Oh, yeah. Like if you, if you feel a shakiness from the top, it does make its way down. And because of the nature of, you know, Star Trek captains, a lot of the time, being, you know, Captain Picard doesn't often have moments like this where he's, you know, struck down with this long-term vulnerability. I think maybe in an episode well, here or there he's vulnerable. But um, 
dealing with it for months, like in, in night, you know, where this has been going on for a long time and it's, it's taken its toll on, you know, everybody from Chicote down to Harry Kim and people we don't even see, I'm sure. Uh, that is not something we get a lot of in, in Trek. Um, I think, I think you're exactly right. I think also the, the size of the crew makes a difference. I think <clears throat> with Picard, I think he can kind of, just because of the size of the crew and, and then, um, I think that, that the Voyager crew is such a tight-knit group and such a smaller crew. Um, yeah. I think you feel that kind of ripple effect, like you said, um, from the top down. Whereas I think the, the bridge crew, on don't get me wrong, the TNG bridge crew, very tight-knit. Um, but I think that um, just the way that the hierarchy and the, the how the crew is set up, I think it um, the waves don't go travel as far. But uh, I think... Right. I agree with you. Definitely a Voyager. I think you're right. Um, definitely feel that. Yeah, Voyager, I think, has the best... It, it, it's the most successful at conveying that family feel. Oh, yeah. On the rich group. And, like, creating that that environment. Uh-huh. Uh, making it really credible. Um, uh, Tom Brady talked about uh, Tom Paris being a good episode for him. I, I agree with that. Oh, yeah. He said the introduction to Captain Proton stuff. Yep. His kind of wanting to include people in that, bring Seven on board. Uh, he has some good scenes with uh, Harry Kim in that, obviously. Belana, like I think that they, they articulate that. It even is affecting their marriage. They have that scene where they're playing. Uh, I don't remember what the game is, but you know some version of like chess oh, yeah. in the mess hall, and they they bicker and mm-hmm. they're, they're even snapping at each other. Uh, like the, it, it, it goes to show that like this situation is you know affecting everything, uh, even even people's personal, you know, most personal, most intimate uh, relationships. Um, and that he is—he would have been a good morale officer. He's, he's good with the crew. He gets <laughs> yeah. along with everybody, and uh, uh, I, it's a good point for sure. He has good scenes with kind of everybody across the board. Uh, Rob's talking about the introduction of the Malon, which is another interesting part of this episode. Uh, the sort of you know corporatist uh, like dumping toxic waste wherever they can, you know, get rid of it. Yeah, kind of kind of guys um, that come back in a couple episodes with extreme risk and later on with Juggernaut they're recurring in this season in particular yep. uh, so it is an important moment as well for that it's kind of or introducing another new sort of adversary for the Voyager crew as we you know, get used to having in Voyager I think because of the nature of kind of moving through space you kind of move through regions and you yep. come across these different uh, pains in the butt, and this is where the mainline come into come into play. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do. I, I think they're kind of fresh and different, and they're, they're not my favorite. They're not like the most exciting or in their dynamic um, adversary. Um, but you know, from a classic Star Trekky like you know moral um, <laughs> compass kind of moment, yeah, kind of forcing us to think about things. It, it's 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 right in line with you know sort of Star Trek's comfort zone. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, and Rob mentions it, Janeway, once again, kind of at the end of the final choice that she was going to make to stay behind and all this. Once again, having to make a decision that could have a negative negative implications for a crew is an interesting repetition of Caretaker. Like, here she is again, you know, having to make this kind of Full really circle. big decision. Yeah. yeah. And this time the crew, you know, getting to step in and there are many mutiny at the end there is uh, yeah. to, there is yeah. <laughs> they will not comply yeah. with her with her plan um which i think is a really good moment drives home that 
that family, you know, mm-hmm. theme that is so present throughout the show. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, I really like the production stuff here too. I think when you think of the, I, I think a couple of us watching it that night were talking about, you know, how good the episode looks. Um, it, it, yes, it does. With look like very... uh, you got the black and white stuff with uh, Captain Proton, all the the cool retro production design. That's well, a season uh, premiere. They got to go. design stuff. Yeah, yeah, they, they went big. I do think they go. Like Rob said, I think it's easy to kind of think of it as like it's a, it's a single episode. It's the only one really after season two that is in part two, starting a season off like part of a big cliffhanger. Um, yeah, but I think they pull out a lot of stops. It's got a it's got a really ambitious score. There's some really I think memorable um, musical beats throughout it with Captain Proton stuff again and some of the action music. Uh, plus, you know the like I said, the production design of the Proton stuff, the, the the way that the ship is shot. I think in this dark region of space, there's some really cool, you know, dark photography uh, that makes the sets look. You know, fresh and exciting and dynamic. Uh, it's an episode that would look good in HD. Oh yeah, yep. Yeah, they do have some good production elements. Uh, they, they, the ship shots uh, are. Yeah, there's, there's yep. no, They're they're all dark. It's just the the lights, the running lights from the ship illuminating the hull. So it's a lot. The hull it's a lot darker. Uh, Janeway's yep. quarters is dark and moody and oh, mysterious. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I think Janeway has a coat on in this episode too. One of her coats. Yeah, uh, like the, the, the different version of the uniform where they yeah, yeah. Up and it's yeah. Uh, but it, that kind of kind of falls into like the action hero hero kind of side yeah. of, of Janeway. So I, I like that element too. Um, um, that's, I just wanted to throw that kind of production element because any yeah, element great. in there, anytime we get to see a coat or anything like that, a different type mm-hmm. of uniform, um, I really do like to see that, even though some of our resident uh, uniform junkies aren't big on the coats. But um, no, yeah, <laughs> no, our front dad isn't, isn't, he's always kind of yeah. anti coat, I think. Uh, mm-hmm variant of the uniforms but yeah again yeah that's it i don't know if that's the first time we see that it might be like that variant where they can zip and unzip because has got it too right he, or at least he's wearing just like the, the, the purple undershirt at one point yeah it's like short sleeve mm-hmm. so there, there are some different uh iterations of the uniform kind of shown here if not for the first time one of the few times mm-hmm. um so a lot of cool stuff kind of thrown out there in in, in night um So, how, how high up on your, is this a near classic, is it a classic, is it a, just a really good, like, where, where would you kind of place this episode, and has your perspective on it changed? It's changed. 2020? I think because of 2020, I, but, I, but that's not to take anything away from the episode, I really do feel that uh, it's one of, it's definitely up there for me, just because I really do like um, some of the aspects that it's that it tackles um i really do like the kind of uh, <clears throat> what kind of gets explored in the episode with um captain trying to reconcile with with a decision that she made uh which is really nice to see which we don't get a lot in star trek um but yeah it's it's definitely 
Uh, it's definitely up there for me. I did. I don't know what type of label to put it on. Uh, put on it, but um, when I think about when I think back to season five, some of the episodes that come to mind is Night because it's such a unique animal starting off the season. Um, tackle some really heavy stuff, um, and for my money, it really does fall into unvalued Trek uh, because when I think of season five, episodes come to mind. Um, you know, definitely in that first ten, maybe. Um, wow, okay. Uh, 10 or 15, I think, uh, yeah. uh, come to his night. So, I think that's the other thing. Season five is such a strong season. If you if you look at it from the lens of, okay, let me think of season five episodes, kind of like we did with Fantasy Draft. Yeah. Uh, when, you're, when you have like a board and you're just looking at those episodes, there, there's so many highlights there, mm-hmm. I think, uh, with, you know, stuff like drones, stuff like timeless, uh, you know. Someone to watch over Dark me. Frontier, Equinox, Relativity. Like, there's a lot of good someone to watch over me. Yeah. Uh, uh, Counterpoints. There's, there's a lot, lot of great, great stuff. Great stuff. Yeah. So it, it, it would be easy to have, and it probably does for me, Rob says, maybe slightly in the higher half of season five. So, like, in the middle of the pack, but kind of edging toward the upper half of mm-hmm. that middle of the pack. Um, I'm probably just right there. Um, I, I think um, I, I wouldn't put it up there with Timeless and Drone and yeah. Equinox Part 1. I think there are episodes that I would you know stack ahead of it, Counterpoint. Um, but it, it, I, th- I think it's a successful episode, and I've always liked it. And I, I think I like it more now. I think watching it, you know, in, in either, depending on how you look at it, in the midst of or slowly maybe hopefully coming out of this pandemic situation uh you know being on the tail end of seeing some improvement yeah uh, sitting here on march at 28th uh 2021 um i think that perspective that real life um weight watching it definitely uh like many times in star trek's history episodes have aged well because of like real life circumstances and issues that are confronted that maybe weren't as like potent and prominent when the episode was made, but even in the years after, I think kind of takes on a, a even a, a more powerful, uh, mm-hmm. you know, angle. And I, I think this episode fits that bill as well. Um, so, it, it, unres- I, I would say it's a resoundingly thumbs up. Uh, I think I, I, if I had to do it right now, I'd probably give it a B. Mm. Um, and be comfortable with that. I don't know if I'd go as high as B plus, but a really solid B. Um, as a, this is a good episode of Star Trek. Would be my kind of label to put on. Yeah, real quick. I think Cyber Honey mentioned. I'm trying to find it, but she mentioned the the Janeway's reveal in the corridor. I I, yeah, I yeah. do like that um, kind of uh, reveal. Uh, I do like that. Uh, yeah, and I think that drives home the the minute there's a crisis, the minute there's something to do. She she can. She, that's how she grapples with this grief and the stress mm-hmm. and this pressure is is having. You know, important things to do. One of my favorite movies from a couple of years, First Man, which was the um, Neil Armstrong yeah. kind of story, uh, and and that movie is about grief, about a guy who's dealing with a traumatic mm-hmm. event and, and and dealing with it by throwing himself into stressful, high stress, you know, high risk work, and that's what allows him to cope with grief and trauma and loss. 
and I think Janeway is is doing the exact same thing. That's a classic. I think I'm not a psychiatrist or I don't have a degree in psychology or anything yeah. like that. But I would yeah. imagine that's a pretty common way for people to deal with depression and loss and grief and mm-hmm. you know whatever is is is, is their kind of struggle um, to, to to have these things to throw themselves into and to consume them. And the minute there is a thing to be consumed Springs by Janeway is snaps back into into sort of Captain Janeway mode. Um, and I, I like that. I think that's real. And I'm sure people out there um, who yeah. deal with things the same way can relate. Yeah, and, and I always... It, I, I see that point as well, but I always think that uh, even in the crew's darkest times, like there's she's not just Janeway's there, but even in even in the darkest corridors, like Janeway was there, even in uh, Janeway's darkest times, like Ch- Chakotay was there, like the the crew was there for yeah. her, and vice versa. Absolutely. So. I, I think there's some really good Chakotay stuff. I think you mentioned the the Chakotay scenes in Janeway's <clears throat> quarters. I think. You know, Chakotay is a character who's an interesting one to talk about because he goes through some changes in terms of how much he's leaned into on the show and how much he gets to do and yeah. what his dynamic with Janeway is and how much it's presented on the forefront of the show uh, and how much it, you know, sometimes people would say that probably accurately so it kind of fades a little bit as the show goes on. And I think Knight is a good example of it still being alive and they still kind of go to it. And, you know, he's, a, he's somebody who can talk to Janeway only in a way he can like he's 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 in her quarters kind of letting her have it the way that only he can um and that's been built up over the course of the last you know four years leading up to the show so i think it's a good use of chakotay i think robert beltran's pretty good in it i think he gives a, a strong performance and has some really good scenes to play yes uh, for sure as you know kind of having to be the acting captain and being frustrated by that and he sees what you were talking about with the way that her lack of involvement, her lack of engagement, her mental place is affecting the crew. Like he's the one who's getting the brunt of that. You know, he's the one who's sitting in the briefing room with the crew bickering about nonsense because they feel the pressure being brought down by Janeway's yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's calling her. And I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think we've, uh, you know, made the case that Star Trek Voyager Night is an undervalued piece of Star Trek. It's a strong episode oh, yeah. that your mileage may vary on it. And I think we had some interesting points to discuss with uh, some with, with Rob and Cyberhoney in the chat. Um, thank you both for bringing interesting things to the table and articulating your perspectives on the episode, positive and negative. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think that made the conversation better and. You know, we're not here to definitively say, you know, night is great, like without any question. But I think this is more of a, like, this is how we take the episode. And, um, <laughs> that there's that there's that there's meat on the bones. There's interesting conversations to be had about it. Yeah. Um, and I think what we just had was an interesting conversation. So hopefully it proved more. Yep. Anytime we get to talk about Voyager, I think uh, it's a win. Actually, though, anytime we get to talk about Voyager on a special occasion like uh, this week, you guys know, or some of you might know. I know Bill kind of mentioned it a couple weeks <clears throat> prior off air. This week is our anniversary. Trek Live anniversary is March wow, 26th, true. 2017 was our first episode that we live streamed. Wow. 
So it's not it's not a big one. It's a four year. Uh, but I just want to <laughs> maybe wrap out um, wrap out or wrap up <laughs> this episode uh, of Trek Lab with just mentioning uh, that and just letting you guys know that. Um, these four years have been great. Um, I love, I look forward to every week uh, hearing from you guys in chat. Obviously, talking to Bill about Star Trek 2 is fun, uh, as always. But um, it's whenever we get to hear from you guys and then help have you guys almost steer the conversation, steer the ship, uh, I think it makes it for, makes a, such a great episode. So this was definitely fun and perfect uh, to kind of pay homage to our four years yeah. doing this. So. Agreed. Thanks, Rob. Uh, four years for sure. Crazy. I didn't. I didn't have that completely in my mind. I'm, I knew it was around this time, but I didn't realize it was like this weekend. Uh, and it's been cool. Um, and yeah, I totally echo what Dan said. Having people in the chat to help drive the conversation is great. It's you know that kind of we just talked about like capitalizing on the premise of these shows that capitalizes on the premise of Trek Live, having it be a live conversation and. Yeah. You know, we could easily just kind of record and just post it whenever we want. Um, but we do it live so that we have folks like you guys helping and, you know, getting getting to be a part of it. Uh, so we appreciate that whenever it happens. And thank you both today for not only doing it today, but being uh, really consistent presences over, you know, the recent weeks and years. Uh, yeah. We are very thankful. And it was a fun conversation. And the, the other thing I'll throw kind of wrap it up. We don't always do this. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. Uh, there is a piece of Star Trek content I would love to shout out, and it is a podcast from the Trek Movie Crew. Um, it's their uh, Star Trek, I think they call it All Access Star Trek or something. Uh, but they interviewed David Sapone, who is the Voyager documentary director. Oh, yes. Um, cool. About the Kickstarter campaign, Indiegogo, and uh, it got me really excited. I encourage everyone, if you're excited about that project and you liked uh, what we left behind and for the love of Spock, this is the guy who's behind all that, Chaos on the Bridge. He's doing the Voyager documentary now. If you want to get teased a little bit about what they're thinking for that and the kinds of things they're going to be talking about, the kinds of things they want to achieve, that's a really good listen. He's pretty forthcoming. He doesn't show all his cards by any means. There's a lot of things I'm sure that will be surprises along the way. Um, but it will... Um, you know, I uh, I listened to it. The first thing I did when it was over was go go. So, <laughs> which you don't have to do, but definitely uh, maybe share that. Just keep keep the uh, interest alive. Um, yeah, for sure. absolutely. That, that's that's the uh, the effect that that had on. That it, it, yeah. I guess that was the that was the goal, and it, it was successful. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, really exciting, and uh, I would encourage everybody to you know, seek that out and take a listen. Yes. All right. I think that'll do it for this week. We will be back, I believe, next week uh, for another episode of Trek Live. Uh, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll share. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll discuss. <laughs> yeah. Uh, stay tuned on Twitter. You'll see uh, announcements to come. April's going to be, uh, might be a little bit of a unique month where we might have a couple weeks off. We might have a pre-recorded episode kind of thrown in there. We have some busy stuff coming along the way. Maybe we'll do some supplemental things you never know we'll, yes. we'll have to maybe get a little bit creative with the schedule to make mm-hmm. it work uh but uh stay tuned Keep, watch watch our twitter feeds uh that's right if you would like to join our discord server i'm not gonna go on a long spiel about it like i do sometimes if you're interested in discord send me a dm on twitter trekfan4387 i can get you connected if you're a part of that community uh we usually will uh we try to post announcements for when these streams will be happening that'll be another good way to yeah stay in the loop if you're interested in watching us yeah 
Yep. Uh, shout out to Rob and Cyberhoney in the chat for coming along with us in the conversation. Thank you for, if you're listening to on YouTube after the fact or podcast feed after the fact, I'll do my best to get that up as soon as possible. Uh, not like this week, but uh, yeah, we'll hopefully see you guys next week. Thanks for watching, everybody. Only on YouTube. Only, Only on YouTube. On YouTube. Right. Periscope is a thing of the past as of, I think, Wednesday. So if you've watched us on Periscope at all over the last few months, we appreciate it. Uh, rumor has it, maybe Twitter Live, some version of that may still be on the horizon. If that comes about, certainly look into using that as a mm. means of delivering our live streams. But starting next week, YouTube only, uh, at least for the, gotcha. for the short term until we figure out cool. our other options. So yep. see you then. Yep. Thanks for watching, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Hey, this is Trek Live Dan again. Like I said before, the discussion does not have to stop here. Come over to our Twitter, Facebook, and our Discord channel to keep the Star Trek discussion alive. See you guys next time.